This is the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, where we discuss all things crypto-related. Your host, Kieran Ryan. Sonny Fisher is the founder of the African Wealth Fund. He's also CEO of the Forest Group of Companies. In November last year, the African Wealth Fund announced its intention to establish a bank in South Africa called Maven Mutual, using stablecoins as the currency of transactions. A stablecoin being a purely digital currency, in this case backed one-to-one by the RAND. So what does this new world of banking look like using digital currencies and blockchain technologies? Well, there's some fascinating stories developing around that, and we want to welcome Sonny Fisher to the studio. Hi, Sonny. We normally talk to you when you're in Cape Town. Good to have you in Joburg. Yeah, great to be in the studio, finally. Okay, so we spoke to you some months ago about Maven Mutual and this bank that you were developing. Tell us, give us an update on that. How's that going? Well, we submitted our application to um, the Reserve Bank, and you know, there's a, a process that one goes through to uh, get a banking license. But, uh, you know, as as the world of fintech is moving at a fast pace, uh, the goalposts are continually moving. And uh, about three months ago, uh, the Reserve Bank put out a request for information to uh, come up with a a proposal for a a local card association to compete with Visa and MasterCard. Now, um, you know, that's been uh, something we've been advocating for for a long time. So we submitted a a proposal to use, uh, instead of using uh, a mutual bank to really provide a utility banking service, rather provide competing association to Visa MasterCard so all the banks can participate. So what does that mean in uh, non-technical speak? Uh, What we've said is let's not create a utility bank. Let's create a competitor to Visa and MasterCard that everybody can use to provide uh, the same thing that Maven Mutual was there to provide, which is free banking. So we've proposed that uh, we use a blockchain solution to hang, provide hang on, free hang on banking. A People will be interested. <laughs> free banking. And the first thing that I want to ask you about is why do we need a competitor to Visa and MasterCard? Are they not doing the job well enough? No, they're not doing their job well enough. And it's holding the whole economy back. And uh, it's a major barrier to financial inclusion. And, uh, you know, without uh, getting personal about a competitor, it's not that at all. I think what one needs to bear in mind is that Visa and MasterCard was invented before the internet. Um, and as a result, it's incredibly badly designed from a security point of view. So there's always going to be theft and fraud. And because of that, it's always going to be expensive. The other problem is that the core technology, the guys doing the bulk of the payment processing around the world, are doing it on technology that's 50 years old, mainframes running COBOL. So now with the you know blockchain revolution, with cloud computing, with, uh, with smartphone uh, adoption, we can now, using this technology, provide the same service that banks are charging for. We can provide it for free. So it's a little bit like landline telephony. You know, um, honestly, the, the truth is payments is a zero-sum game. They, they, you can't charge for, for sending money from A to B anymore. Um, the banks, you know, are, are holding on as fast as they can. But are they really? I mean, FNB has a, a zero account. People are talking about zero fees. And um, it doesn't mean they can't make fees other ways. They just have to find more creative ways. And ABSA has just launched a, a zero yeah, uh, uh, yeah, well. it's, the, it's, the it's inevitable. It's yeah. inevitable. And um, it's a bit, it's kind of obvious. To me, it was always the obvious thing. How can you have unbanked people uh, and then have cost as a barrier? Surely if we just make it free, now we're bringing them into the banking system, it's a no-brainer. Okay, so let's pick up on that point then. If uh, Maven Mutual is going to be a zero-cost bank, how are you going to make money? Um, So we make money two ways. One is every time someone does a transaction, we send them a, a receipt. In that receipt, we embed ads, and you can purchase directly off the ad. So I've modeled that on the Google model. You know, Google, right. you know, because I know where you are, I know what you're buying. So I can deliver an ad with something that's going to really be attractive to you. And from an advertiser's point of view, I only charge if I make a sale. 
So it's the holy grail of advertising. But then I can charge 30%. And, um, you know, so I can do, for example, if you um, if you uh, just uh, bought a, a ticket for a holiday, I might advertise some insurance for your vacation. And I can take the payment immediately. So I can close the deal and take my commission immediately. So it's actually a very lucrative model. So I'm happy to do the payments for free if I can just get the opportunity to advertise in people's wallets effectively. So I think it's going to be the most valuable advertising network on the planet. But it's not the only way we make money. The other way that we make money is we provide working capital finance to businesses. So we buy their goods that they need to to run their business. So for example, in a spaza, we would buy their stock for them. And then we charge 3% of revenue. And that's how we make money. And that's a very, very lucrative model. Because what we do is we help them manage their working capital. We help their business grow. And the more it grows, the better off we are financially. So it's a win-win lending model. Also not new. It's, uh, it's Sharia compliant. It's, uh, you know, it was since the age of time. Uh, it's kosher. It's, it's in keeping with the Christian teachings. Interest is an evil thing. So um, we're able to do interest-free lending where we take a percentage of the turnover. We take the risk together and we use our technology and our expertise to improve your business. And that way we both make money. So it's a, it's a win-win business model, which, you know, I think the banking, traditional banking model was about having collateral. And then if it doesn't work out, Somebody yeah. still wins. <laughs> yes, there, there are quite a few of these um, fintech companies that have started up uh, recently. I think they call it merchant financing, where you're, you're basically lending to purchase stock. And every transaction or every card swipe that happens, you're taking a percentage of that, which, of course, um, removes this this obligation on you to have to come up at the end of the month with well, that's a repayment. Thing. It's that thing. It's that monthly repayment. And business doesn't work like that, you know. Uh, your customers don't know on what day to come in so that you can make your, your repayments. And that's why revenue-based uh, finance is such a, a good model for retail financing. And then because we're also an advertising network, we can help drive business to our customers. And that you know helps get their turnover up, which then helps us make more money. So okay. it becomes a virtuous circle. I want to talk about Forest Exchange, which mm. is your other project. This is an exchange. I'm going to ask you to explain that. But there's a couple of interesting projects that you're about to list on the Forest Exchange. One of them is a chrome mine, which is going to be funded by a token, which is basically you know, a cryptocurrency. And the second one is a whole bunch of movies. You've got 22 movies worth about $1.5 billion. And I'm, I'm interested. At one time, there was a lot of talk about South Africa becoming a locale for, for films. It hasn't really happened, has it? No, well, the interesting thing, it has. You know, the, it ruined the film industry at the same time. What do I mean? So if you have a look at Cape Town, Cape Town is what has become a film service city. So what, what that means is that... Um, the big production houses like Amazon and Netflix and, and that are making movies there. They're spending $250 million on a production, but they're paying the guys peanuts. The profit and the, the real value goes to Netflix. So the film industry is busy, but they're not making money. So what we're doing is we're turning that on its head and we're saying if we invest in our own movies and our own content, then we can pay people properly. Okay, so you've got 22 movies that you've identified that are, that are worth giving a, 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 back, a, a go. Well, I think what we're doing is we're saying to people, he has a whole bunch of movies. You're investing. We're spreading the risk. There might be one Oscar winner in there. There might be two. There might be none. There might be some that are going to be, some that are going to be a commercial success. Maybe some we're going to syndicate. 
Um, so we, what we're doing is we're saying that um, to, to make investment make sense, you've got to spread the risk. And you can't spread it with one or two movies. You've got to go in big. So what we're saying is let's spread the risk uh, and then let's see how we can commercialize the rights and the advertising opportunities. And the people who are investing are also consumers who are going to watch. So we, by getting investors to fund the movie, you've immediately got an audience, haven't you? So how do you get investors? How do you connect the investors with the market? On our exchange. So, you know, we will be promoting it. And when somebody's shopping at ShopRite and they get a, an ad on their, in the receipt, we'll advertise the movie. And they can buy it for a buck or two or whatever. Because um, it, it's linked to, to our wallet, we can take the payment. And now we can do micropayments. So we can charge three rand for a movie. And the full three rand can go to, you know, the cost of the movie, not um, to the processing fees. So it's really a combination of crowdfunding, tokenization, and a sort of a customer loyalty, and disintermediating a whole lot of people who you know, are making the money that the creative people could be making if they can just get closer to their customers. And that's what really blockchain allows to happen in the creative space. So uh, what we'll have is people will invest in tokens, and uh, this is all done under a particular bunch of studio execs. And if this token does well and their movies do well, then we'll do another token. Just we, explain for people who don't know what a token is. What, what do we mean? So a, a token is uh, like a share. So it represents your ownership of that fraction or that piece of an asset. But by using digital tokens, we don't have to keep a register of who owns what share. You take the token from the one person and you give it to another and ownership changes hands. It's like so a bearer asset, It's right? like a bearer asset. So it's like, it's like shares um, as if it was cash in your wallet. So if we wanted a swap and you want to buy some of the shares, I invested in this movie, group of movies, you invested in another group and, you know, mine's doing better than yours. So now we, we trade out or, or what have you. So what it does is it creates an, a secondary market for the investment in that asset. So what you would have to do if you didn't have the token, if people say we, we aggregated a whole bunch of movies and people invested, they would have to wait till the revenue came in to get a return on the investment. Here, they don't have to wait. They can sell it. If in two weeks' time you want to sell your token, you can trade it on the exchange and you can cash out. So you don't have to necessarily be a long-term investor in movies or in startups because you have a marketplace where you can now trade it. So that's really right, what creates you, the liquidity. And like with a JSE where you'd be investing in a company, here you're investing in a project. Exactly. And we've got all sorts of projects, real estate projects. We're doing a massive development, uh, community development. And um, we'll be financing that on the blockchain. So people will be able to buy a piece of a, of a resort. Um, and, uh, and then the resort gets to promote themselves. They can have a VIP program where the, the VIP guests also own a piece of the resort. So it's a really nice way to, to fund things collaboratively. Are you doing any non-fungible tokens, NFTs? Um, we are doing NFTs. Um, for me, it was a little bit faddish. And I think it distracts so much from what we're trying to do, which is bring you know blockchain technology to traditional capital markets and traditional banking. So whenever you see something with hype and you know ninety six million dollar NFT and detracts a little bit from the business of banking and and the business of money. So you know for me, I, I, sometimes I, I find these things a little bit of a, a distraction. You know, everybody wants to get rich quick, 
and uh, there is no such thing and blockchain and, and you know there's enough of that going around without the distraction of it but uh, there's certainly a, a role for it and we, we have been doing some some projects in that space but I, uh, I think it's a, it's a bubble that's uh, maybe already burst I don't know Okay so you see the South African film industry getting a hell of a kick from this new type of funding that you're proposing here and what has been the reaction so far? You were discussing that some of the ways that you can actually monetize these films. For example, brand advertising. You can actually, it could be Mercedes. It could be absolutely you provider know, the, of water or beer or whatever. South African breweries. It could be any one of those guys. You bring them in and you get them to fund it. Absolutely. In fact, we, we're piloting this concept. Um, we're busy um, in production now with our first movie. And um, everything that you see in the movie, you'll be able to buy the clothing, the furniture. You'll be able to stay at the resorts because it's a road trip. They go on a road trip. You'll be able to, you know, buy the, the mementos. And all of it's integrated in, into an e-commerce platform. And when you watch the movie, you'll be able to go, ah, you know, I, I want to buy that and be able to buy it there and then. So this is about the convergence now of sort of digital. Because you've got a digital wallet you can now incorporate the purchasing experience into the actual you know, consumption of the, of the content. Talk to me about this chrome mine that you're financing. That's an interesting one. You're going to be issuing a token for well, the setup and running of a chrome mine. Well, w what we're going to be doing is actually creating a, a consolidated bunch of mining assets. The, the chrome mine is going to be just a, a part of that. So it's going to be a, a commodities-based token. So what this allows you to do is link the value of the token to the price of the commodity. So in other words, you now have a token that's linked to gold or to link to chrome or to link, link to a basket of resources. And that's a nice hedge for people who need a hedge. So there are a lot of people in the business who need to hedge against dollar or who, who need to, who are buying gold, who need to have the ability to trade in it. So it gives instruments where people can trade in, in the asset but without actually getting involved in, in gold mining. So you can still make returns based on the price of gold uh, but without having to get involved in the nitty-gritty. So, um, you know, it's an asset class that a lot of people invest in. Um, there are a lot of people who, who are gold uh, bulls. And um, so what we're doing is we're providing a way for them to invest in gold on their phone. I think that's obviously the big innovation. So now you can just you know buy three rand fifty worth of these commodities. If the price is going up and down, you can you can trade and make money. So it gives people easy access into markets that I think only you know very wealthy people in the banks are trading in. Just pause there a second. You've got uh, so you're going to be issuing a token on a basket of resource assets where they're going to be linked to the price, let's say the London Metal Exchange price for that particular commodity. But what about the actual cash flow? I mean, you're talking about a mine. That asset sits in the ground. It doesn't generate cash unless it's mined. Right. So what you do is you price it accordingly. So when you buy the asset, you're paying for the, for the value of it in the ground. You know, with gold, uh, it, it might be worth $1,200 an ounce uh, mined. But uh, it's, uh, if you're valuing an asset, you, it's $100 in the ground. So you, you discount the value of the asset. So when we put all of these assets together, we go through a valuation process. Know, depending on where the reserves are, et cetera. And that's a very scientific and, you know, process that uh, when you list a, a mine on a, on a stock exchange, you need, to, you need to go through all of these processes. Are you, are you saying it's going to be as rigorous as that, the competent person's report and all that sort of thing? Absolutely, it has to be. And, and that's what we bring as an exchange, that due diligence. I think that the difference between this and the traditional markets, the traditional equity and, and uh, debt markets, is that it's rigorous, but it's not stupid. 
And unfortunately, our regulations in a lot of these instances have just become stupid. It just, uh, it's too expensive to do anything. It just takes too long and costs too much. Um, and we've over-regulated a lot of things. So, Like what, the ESG reporting? I think in terms of the, the, the stupid paperwork about compliance, you know, yeah, ESG could be one, it could be all the accounting regulations, you know, those change every six months. So you need a team of experts to complete it. So a prospectus where that gives you the salient information and can be can be DD'd, maybe costs a hundred. By the time you've gone through one of these exchanges, it's cost you a thousand. And is there an incremental benefit? No. Look at Steinhoff. You go through all these rigorous things and there's still fraud. So who are we kidding? What's better about our exchange is our customers use our wallets um, to do their banking, and then we provide real-time data on how the business is doing, what the cash position is, what their sales are. So we provide real-time analytics and not, you know, bulldust. So I think that's the thing. You know, a lot of the regulations ticking boxes, but then, you know, the fraud still happens. So, so your, your Chrome mine, for example, or your film, you'd be able to plug in there. You'd be able to have an app on the phone and see what, what – cash was banked today yeah you can go to the dashboard and you can have a look at the token and we provide a dashboard of of exactly what's happening with that uh, those underlying assets real time like cash generated in the last 24 hours yeah real time as it gets generated um, because it's all happening on the blockchain so you've got a real-time indicator and that's also i think a new frontier of investing Uh, you know now you have to wait for the quarterly results to come out uh, often it's too late, you know, to make a, a decision on the share, which is why there's so much insider trading. Right. So, yeah, this is a whole new paradigm of investing where you can really mitigate a lot of the risks. Uh, like in the movies, if enough people want to fund a movie, you've got an audience immediately. But if you look at the JSC and the way that they set up, I mean, they have all of these committees, the, the listing committee, you've got all these rules that you've got to comply with. And they've been evolved over time because of bad experiences that have you, you yourself were involved in setting up some companies on the stock exchange, right? Yeah. Let's get to that in a minute. But on your exchange, you're saying it's going to be easier, you're going to be able to short-circuit some of these things, but then is there still risk that's got to be looked yeah, at? Look, there? there's always risk, and that's why it's about finding the right assets, about mitigating the risk. And uh, what we also do is we underwrite some of the investments, so we guarantee it from our equity and our capital. And there are a couple of projects where we're doing that. We just need someone to take the risk for a short period of time. So, you know, at the end of the day, we're not about losing money, losing people's money. We're going to lose some money sometimes. Otherwise, we're not taking enough risks. But no, you can do very um, sensible, uh, risk-mitigated, responsible lending. But you don't need to automatically say no to, you know, the creative businesses. Another industry that is in desperate need of finance is the cannabis industry. Now, the banks and, and the exchanges in South Africa don't want to go near that. Well, who's going to fund that? Um, you know, it's it's constantly evolving. There are a lot of really interesting players in that, but who's going to fund that? And this is the perfect mechanism for that. So the JC's way behind Canada. They're listing uh, blockchain companies. Canada, they're listing um, marijuana companies. The JC's doing none of that. Yeah, Canada's an interesting case, the Toronto Stock Exchange, because they have a lot of the junior miners. They, they've got right. over a 1,000 junior miners there. We don't in South Africa, and yet the resources are here. The other thing they have, uh, they were they're very progressive on, is uh, Bitcoin mining. You've got about eight Bitcoin miners listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange that have been ex- extremely well in the last few years. So they, they do seem to have a way to attract capital. 
people going there, they're finding opportunities there. So what you're suggesting uh, through Forest Exchange is a similar type of thing here. Just make it simple. If I was to come to you with an idea, just theoretically, here's my business idea. I want to issue a token for this. I don't want to be listed. I don't want to go through all of that ESG, environmental, social governance type requirements. I don't want to have to comply with IFRA 17, you know, the financial reporting uh, type stuff. I basically want to get going as a company as fast as possible. What kind of runway would we have there? Could it be done in in a couple of months? Uh, Yes. Our our objective is to get businesses funded in under a month. So um, we have an application process. We're busy refining that at the moment using our our, our Maven network of advisors. And uh, we're busy turning it all into a process so that we could get a business through uh, um, from you know um, reaching out to us to creating a token in in a month, and there's a lot that we do online. We've just um, signed a deal with Equidam, which is probably one of the best valuation products out there for doing uh, a valuation of a business. So our customers can fill that in. You know, so a lot of the stuff is automated, and we channel you through the process. And we also hand you over to a mentor, so you manage through the process depending on which stage you're at in your business, because. Every business needs some funding to go take it to the next step. It might not be the million bucks they think they need. It might be 10,000 rand and access to one or two experts. Um, so we're busy refining that process. Um, we have a mentorship uh, uh, thing. The, the whole idea is to be able to take a business from wherever it's at to where it needs to go. And every one of those um, is going to require capital. doesn't matter whether you're Anglo-American or you're a spaza. You can't grow your business without capital. Right. A couple of questions come up as a result of that. So if you're talking here about a, a project rather than a company, so a project might have a lifespan of three years. You're going to issue a token for three years and then the project is done. What happens at that point? Um, it really can vary from, from token to token, project to project. Um, um, but all of that is defined up front uh, when you uh, create the token um, and you define the smart contracts and you, and you set it up. So, you know, it can vary from from instance to instance. I think a lot of our projects, um, we're hoping that we won't get the money back, but that the guys will come to us for more money Um, because that's what you want to do. You want to take people that are successful and make them uh, more successful. Um, And there are a lot of small businesses that are are ready to grow. Um, They just need that capital. Just go back to this whole concept that we just started off discussing about financial inclusion and uh, the formation of Maven Mutual. One of the things that we previously spoke about was the ability to use this type of exchange, the, the, the Forest Exchange, for like a spaza shop. Now, you've done some research into township retailing. I mean, if you look at the, the, the retailers in the townships in South Africa, it, there's a lot of Pakistanis have come out and, have, and, and Somalians and Ethiopians have started to dominate that industry. Give us the background. And could people like that, the, the South African retailers, the spaza shop owners, could they start to tap into this exchange? Absolutely. Um, they're one of our core, core target markets um, because what they can do is they can get access to capital to uh, increase their stockholding in their shop. What we found was that most South African retailers, um, if you honestly, it's it's quite amazing. If you walk down a, a township street, you can stand at the end of the street and say, "That's a South African-owned store. That's Pakistani. That's uh, Ethiopian." Because the South African store doesn't have the goods on the shelves, um, they don't have the selection. They well, don't have the shelves. prices. Empty shelves, bad selection. They're just eking out a living. And if you're a shopper and you've you've got a choice, you want to walk into a place that got you know that's got lots of good stuff. So immediately they set up for failure. So how do you compete with that? Well, we have to you know start to fill the shelves with the right stuff. 
And the, a lot of these um, foreign-owned retailers are part of uh, larger associations where they buy together, so they get great pricing, they know what to buy. So using our technology, we provide that same service, but using technology rather than the network. So we're providing South African retailers with the access to the things that the foreigners have, which is capital, good prices, and um, also some advertising to promote them. So Spaza shop owners should reach out to you? Uh, absolutely. We're going to reach out to them. So um, a big part of our, our go-to-market uh, in the financial inclusion space is working through NGOs, cooperatives, uh, organizations on the ground that already have these associations of merchants. So South Africa, we're, we're very good at getting people organized. We're just not good at the delivery after that. So there are lots of organizations who, who we're working with on the ground. All right. Now, just very quickly, we're running out of time here, but in two minutes, give us your story. Because you've, you've been down this road a long time. Right. You were involved with Walmart, and you set up a couple of companies on the stock exchange. Explain to people who you are. I'm a serial IT entrepreneur, I guess. Um, my skill is, is identifying market technology trends early. So I migrated the point-of-sale industry in South Africa from the old DOS to Windows. Um, and the way that I did it was I acquired a whole lot of companies that had the old products, I developed the new one and I took their customers and I introduced them to my technology. And through that, I was able to build large businesses very quickly. So I built a, a business in the retail space, that uh, point of sale company that was pretty dominant in South Africa. And I did that in the, in the IT security space. So I bought a whole lot of IT companies and put them together. So essentially what we've done now is the same thing, but in the blockchain space. Um, um, there, there, there's so many fintech companies all fighting for their space in the sun whilst Visa and MasterCard just laugh as everybody competes. So what we've done is we've created a platform where all of these companies can now collaborate and work together on an open system that um, allows fintech players to, to compete. So that was my sort of innovation in the banking space. I identified early on when I started working in the QR payment space that um, there was an opportunity to create a, a, a free Visa uh, and MasterCard. So for the last 10 years, I've been traveling the world, building an ecosystem of 100 million people so that we could launch, because that's what you need to launch a two-sided market like payments. Um, you have to have 100 million people um, to get past the tipping point. So that took a good six, seven years of traveling the world and um, getting people to buy into the concept and building the ecosystem. And that's are big you there enough. yet? Have you got the 100 million? We, we, I think we've passed 100 million. In the U.S., we're working with the Government Blockchain Association. We're registering the first federally chartered credit union that's running on blockchain. Um, in, uh, throughout Africa, Ethiopia, DRC, we're busy with some massive projects. Uh, and then uh, in the U.S., we've been working with the African-American church community for the last couple of years, and we have 25 million uh, members in our in our church uh, uh, community um, that we've been doing the payments for. So we've kind of slowly been putting together this ecosystem. Uh, so the the new Visa Mastercard is owned by Africans and Africans in the diaspora, and um, that's our, our other token, our, our Mahala X token. Uh, our customers become shareholders by um, uh, virtue of that token. So we've created a really And, and where can people buy this Mahali X? Um, they can go to the website uh, forus.co.za and they can, uh, they can invest. Um, and uh, we've built it with the community. We've got 150 mavens who've invested $1,000 each to help design it. We've got sustainability experts, banking experts. So this is a combination of a collaboration to create a, a digital platform that everybody can benefit from. 
um, so that we can do banking. Uh, we, we're doing agricultural traceability so that our small farmers can compete uh, in the global marketplace. You know, all of these things become possible when you have a commerce platform that everybody can share that's open and free. Um, so that was the dream. It took uh, a little bit longer than I expected. Uh, but, you know, these things, worthwhile, worthwhile things sometimes uh, can take a while. But, uh, yeah, we're there. Final question. If you look five years into the future, what, what kind of uh, role will Forest Exchange and Maven Mutual play in this financial space? Where are we going to be on this whole map of inclusion? Are we going to have hundreds of millions of people now with access to financial products? Uh, absolutely. Because um, if you give people access to capital, the knowledge and mentorship, and then access to markets, anyone can be successful. If you don't have those three, no one can be successful. And that's why we still have made no progress after all these years uh, after uh, our democracy. So, yes, if we for 25 years do this, our, our economy will look completely different. My goal is in one generation to have this new financial system bigger than the old financial system. And it can happen and it's going to happen. Watch. Big plans. And I'm sure we're going to hear a lot about for us. Yeah, you're going to hear a lot more. I'm dying to make some other announcements, but I'm going to be back. We've got some, some announcements that are going to be groundbreaking in the South African financial services space. So if you think what I've said up to now is shocking, yeah. stick around. There's more coming. Sonny <laughs> okay. Fisher, thanks so much for coming to the studio. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, hosted by Kieran Ryan. To listen to our other podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.